With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau. And as always, I'm joined today by my boss, assistant sports editor and former Warriors beat writer, Janie Hugh. So here we are, Wednesday afternoon in the San Francisco Chronicle newsroom. It's been a couple weeks. Now, that's not to say that the podcast has been off because, as you know, we upgraded a little bit last week and uh, Bruce Jenkins and and Scott Osler came in and sat down with you and had a mock uh, NBA All-Star draft, which was really fun to listen to. I was at practice at the time, but I got to listen to it the next day and uh, the banter there was great. Does anyone who's gotten any 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 chance to spend time with either of those guys understands what they bring to the table. Not only are they great writers, but uh, they're just good people and really fun guys to, to talk to. Um, it sounded like you had a good time. Oh, that was so much fun. Um, those guys are such a fountain of stories. It's, it is literally the gift that keeps on giving. And uh, as I mentioned on that uh, show, um, one of these days, we've got to get him in here and uh, sit sit Bruce and Scott down. I mean, Scott literally played a game against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back in the day. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, right? <laughs> Just think of the history, everything that he's seen through the league, and it's th- those guys are treasures. I- no, it's great. It's it's awesome, and um, you know, it's been you know, I say it all the time, but it's so true. The Warriors beat never is boring. There's always something going on, uh, and they have a tendency to surprise us every once in a while. And they definitely did that last night. I just got back this morning from Salt Lake city. Uh, they played at Utah last night against a, a Utah team that is probably lottery bound, a team that still kind of reeling from the off season departure of Gordon Hayward. Um, they were without probably their second best player and second or third best player and Rodney hood, uh, and yet here they were winning by 30 points, 129 to 99. Um, it was a weird game in that the Warriors were not dialed in at all from start to finish. And, you know, we're, we're used to seeing the Warriors starting slow um, and then kind of maybe turning it on in the third quarter and running away with, with a win. But around the six-minute mark of that third quarter, I turned to Mark Bedina from the Mercury News who sits next to me, and I said, Bro, they're not going to win this game because it was just so clear that they just did not have it. There was no gear to shift into. You know, they just they were not mentally locked in, and it, it literally was from start to finish to the point where even after Steve Kerr, um, even after Steve Kerr pulled his starters midway through the fourth, he called another timeout because even the bench guys couldn't get up for it, and they were you know playing Matador defense and just not really trying um and you look at the numbers and they were absolutely 
insane. A Utah team that entered the night with the, the eighth, with uh, the sixth worth, sixth worth worst offense in the league, shot 58.2% from the field, uh, which is the worst opposing field goal percentage uh, the Warriors have had since 2013, which obviously encompasses the entire Steve Kerr era. Um, and they they could not guard a guy named Joe Ingles, who you know maybe the average NBA fan is not super familiar with. Uh, but Joe Ingles, when he's going, can hit the three ball, and that's exactly what he did last night. Um, he was dominant. He was six for eight from three. And keep in mind, Kevin Durant, a guy who a lot of people think is going to be defensive player of the year, was guarding him much of the night. Yeah, they they didn't shoot well. They didn't do anything well they didn't handle the ball Draymond uh, had you know what four or five turnovers um I think what was in the NBA you're going to have these games where you just kind of lay an egg uh it just the cycle of um just such a long regular season it's probably particularly disappointing coming off the Boston game where just the atmosphere was such a like a playoff intensity game um but you know going back to Utah it's when you you, there was that one play where you had uh, Ricky Rubio uh, kind of on, uh, leading a fast break, and he had he stopped at the three-point line, and he had an open three-pointer. And instead of taking it, he fed, I think, Gobert for a little reverse dunk. Yeah. And it was just interesting to watch that because you're like, that's kind of like the Warriors. That's what the Warriors do to teams, you know? It's right. just like they're in transition. They're making, you know, they, they had a shot, but he, he, he didn't take it and went for a better shot. And it's just, um, you know, every now and then the, the uh, roles get reversed. And, you know. If it, you watch that play, I thought that play was super telling because – uh, you ha- he's flanked by Andre Iguodala and Clay Thompson, two of the better defenders in the league, and they didn't even move. I yeah. mean, they, they they didn't even try. <laughs> I mean, they were just like whatever. Well, you got six <laughs> foot tall or seven foot tall guy with the eight, you know, eight feet wingspan. You're like whatever. <laughs> we're just gonna give it to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, and I I asked, I went, I hung out afterward with with uh, some jazz writers who I know, and they were like, you know, how upset were they in post game? And I was like honestly not at not. all i mean yeah. they never are yeah. um and a lot of a lot of warriors fans hear that and they think oh they don't care and the reality is it's not that they don't care it's that they just have a perspective on the fact that this game doesn't really matter mm-hmm. and it's not like it's not like you look at the film of that game and you um and you think oh man there's so many things we need to fix all you need to fix on a basic level is trying yeah <laughs> if you just play hard and you just actually try you'll fix a lot of the problems that happened last night. Um, It's true. And it's, it's, you know, the Warriors fans now are so accustomed to, you know, even if, like you said earlier, even if they start slow in that third quarter, they just pick it up and then run the guys out of the gym. And when it doesn't happen, it's like, oh no, what's wrong with them? Eh, Nothing really technically except effort maybe. Yeah. And it was interesting because right before the game, Steve was asked by someone from the Salt Lake media uh, about the fact that the Warriors see- tend to only play defense when they need to. And Kerr's reaction to that was, I'm okay with that right. because, you know, we, t- we have a long haul and, you know, as long as we're practicing good habits, it's all good. But that's a fine line, right? Because, you know, you, you if you're not giving consistent, you know, playoff level effort every night, then what's the line from that to what we saw last night, which was, the opposite of that which was nothing uh so um you know it's something that i think is actually probably good for them in the grand scheme of things because they're gonna 
look at that and it's going to remind them, you know what, we are the Warriors, but even when we're playing a team like the Jazz, we still need to try. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I want to, I got to say this, uh, watching the game on TV, like I, I used to have to go to, to Utah for a couple of games every year and uh, it was really cool to see their uniforms and especially the, uh, the gradient reflected on the hard court too. Yeah. And no more green plastic seats that used to be like the signature. I kind of liked those because <laughs> it was kind of their thing. Uh, they've redone that whole arena in a lot of ways. Like the media room is different. Mm-hmm. The uh, press row is different. Uh, Where do you guys sit now? We sit way high up, okay. which is a bummer because yeah. we used to have pretty good seats um, right in the corner there. But it is what it is. Uh, I agree with you about the the uniforms. I kind of think these alternate uniforms have been pretty cool. I'm personally a pretty big fan of the town yeah. jerseys. I think those Absolutely. are pretty cool. I think I think the there's a reason why those are selling. That's their best selling jersey this season, which which I think there's a reason for. Um, have you ever been to Arches? Because that was the 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 national park. The national park. Because no. that's what the uniform and the the court yeah. was an homage to. Yeah. No, I've been to Bryce uh, Canyon in Zion, and I just love it there. And the fact that, you know, we, you talked about the green, and that was really cool, but still kind of a vestige of, like, New Orleans and the jazz and those colors. So it was just cool to see a color scheme that reflected more of Utah and the Red Rocks and the Canyonlands yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I've was, been, to, I've been cool. to Zion, Bryce, and Arches. And Zion's probably my favorite. Yeah. And, you, you yeah, we can't get anything you can't get better than that. No, never thought I'd be awesome. talking about that on the Warriors <laughs> Off Court podcast, but you know, got to keep things interesting, right? That's why it's Warriors Off Court. <laughs> it's not always on court. Um, so you know, uh, it's interesting because while the Warriors continue to, you know, bar barring last night, they continue to play pretty good basketball, and the the reality is part of why last night happened, I think, is because three nights ago they had a game that three nights before that they had a game that was probably the most intense regular season game outside of maybe the cupcake game last year uh, (laughs) that I've covered on this beat. Um, It was, it felt like the finals. It felt like that type of intensity. It was really fun to watch um, Steph go head, head to head with Kyrie Irving. They were just trading blows throughout that game. And obviously the Warriors had a little bit more left in the tank at the end and Steph, put on what was one of his great performances, scoring 13 points in the final minute, 45, 13 of their final 14 points to carry them to that victory. He had 49 points, just an absolute masterful masterful performance from him. So the big question from that is, are the Celtics the biggest threat to the Warriors? And I think... I think you know my answer to that. I'm curious what yours is. Yeah, and let's let's keep in mind we're talking. Uh, you're t- we're t- we're ass- we don't want to assume that they're going to get through the Western Conference, but we're yes, going to look yes, at it as, as a potential. Me, <laughs> we uh, it's uh, it is admittedly hard to uh, re- you know keep that in mind because it, we talk in such absolutist terms on this beat where it's like okay, so when they make the finals, okay, when I'm working till mid June. Because, I mean, my schedule is such that I've literally planned that I'm going to be working till mid-June. But, you know, nothing is guaranteed in this in this world. And um, if they do make the finals, I-if, I-F-if, if, if they make the finals, uh, who would they play? And I think it's got to be the Celtics right now. I think uh, I, I think you'll have a lot of people in that camp. Um 
you know, when you when you look at the rest of the the Eastern Conference and, you know, Cleveland just is was such a hot mess before Kevin Love broke his hand. And now um, with him gone, it's just uh, I don't know, like if that where do you see that? Where, where do you see that team right now? The Cavaliers in complete disarray. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was when we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, I was like, you know what? It's still early. You know, maybe they'll get over it. They have LeBron. They've gone through hiccups in the past. But you look at every year since LeBron's been there, they've had about they've had one major, you know, bout of adversity each season. Mm-hmm. They had that early this season, and then you thought they kind of got through it and they were playing really good basketball. And then IT comes back, yeah. Isaiah Thomas, and they just are having a really tough time, you know, getting him in the flow of the offense. And I and I think he's getting a, blamed a little bit too much for what's going on there. Obviously, what's going on there is pretty deep rooted. I think it's mm-hmm. just a, a flawed roster. Um, yeah. I think the guy that team just doesn't get along well on or off the court. Um, you you see, you know, the stuff that's going on with Kevin Love and. IT and Jeff Green and they're just not they don't seem to generally like each other. No. Clear, clear the air meetings during the regular season are really not a good sign. <laughs> no, and they've had a lot. Yeah. They've had a lot. And I'm not I'm not convinced that Tyron Tyron lose the answer there. Um I'm not saying they yeah. should fire him mid season, but I'm not I'm not convinced he's the guy. Um and then you have the whole backdrop of, you know, is is LeBron gonna leave? And right. And, you know, there's part of me that thinks, yes, LeBron's LeBron and he's he can take him. He can take any team to the finals. But there's also the human element of he's probably already kind of mentally. This is speculation, but mentally checking out a little bit and realizing this probably isn't my long term home. Mm -hmm. And how do you give your all to a team in the playoffs when you probably know you're you're going to be looking elsewhere within a month of that time. Yeah, you're right about it's always been, you know, you can never count the Cavs out no matter what they've gone through because of LeBron because LeBron can carry a team through. Um, but man, you look at this right now and it's, you know, they, they think they really miss, especially when you talk about matching up with the Warriors, Kyrie Irving. It's just yeah. it, it's like he, he was a Warriors killer. It's, uh, you know, it's just re- re- replacing that toughness and um you know i just i don't see it on that roster i don't i don't think Kyrie got the credit he deserved when he was in cleveland just because Mm -hmm. everyone said oh they they're making the finals because lebron oh they won that title because of lebron but like you said Kyrie has given them as much trouble as any player in this league over the past four years i mean you look at what he's done consistently he's he was great in all three you know when he he didn't really play much the first one, but the past two finals, he was elite. Um, and you're seeing now that he's with Boston with, I think, a, a supporting cast that fits him much better in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, what he can do. And the thing about Boston that's interesting is I just love the way that roster is put together. Obviously, keep in mind that they don't have Gordon Hayward, right. but – they have a really nice complimentary guys. Jason Tatum, I think, is going to be a perennial all-star. I mean, he's been better as a rookie than anyone imagined. He's only 19 years old. Jalen Brown, who I covered at Cal, yeah. and 
I'll be honest, when I covered him at Cal, I thought he was going to be a bust. I thought, how could this guy go number three? Because he honestly wasn't very good at Cal. But right. the thing he had going for him is he's, he was just a physical specimen, which is why they took him number three. And Yeah, he had an NBA body already. He had college. an NBA body, and he's a smart guy. And the Warrior, the the Celtics saw that, and they took a flyer at number three in what was kind of a weak draft. And here he is two years later, and he's looking like a perennial all-defensive team, two-way force type guy. And I think a lot of that should be a credit to Brad Stevens and that staff. Mm -hmm. I think they're phenomenal at developing talent. I think they put guys in the right spots, and they're Mm -hmm. getting the best out of him. Um, And then you have Al Horford, who's an all-star. And, you know, so they're, they're legit. And they're going to be good for a long time, too. Yeah. Speaking of Jalen Brown, uh, he, and he seemed to question whether or not he should have been an all-star injury replacement, which, yeah. you know, yeah, cool, you're having a good season, but come on now. Well, I don't know. Draymond Green thinks that Jalen Brown should be an all-star. I mean, you look at what he's doing defensively on, you know, the second best team in the league. You could make an argument. You could make an argument. It's just, uh, you know, uh, the, the good thing is he's got plenty of time to, to get there. No, for sure. <laughs> he's 21 years old. They're going to be good for a long time. I mean, they're bringing Gordon Hayward back. Yeah. They're, all their core guys are either in their prime or, you know, younger than their prime outside of maybe Al Horford, but he's still playing as good a basketball as he's ever played. Um, and so that's going to be something to watch. You know, could this be the next – quote-unquote rivalry we're witnessing. Bruce Jenkins wrote a great column earlier mm-hmm. in the season outlining that, and I think it's he, – word it, – what's the what's the phrase? Uh, it, it, it's being lived out right now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, and I think the question also has been, yes, they're the biggest threat in the Eastern Conference probably, but are they the biggest threat, period? And we just saw yeah. pretty recently – them not only get pushed by Houston, but lose to Houston in Houston. And then a few days later, get pushed at home by Boston. Based off that sample size, what do you think between those two teams? Who do you think is a bigger threat, Houston or Boston? Uh, um, I'll take Boston, and especially over the long term, or I think right now. Um, uh, just, you know, this is this still a team that's missing Gordon Hayward and just I don't know I just I like the way they play I think um, they've got a a good young coach that can relate to the players and uh, issues that come up Um, I don't it can't go wrong either way Um, I guess that sets the stage for what hopefully is a really good playoff I think that it's Boston for a really simple reason they play defense Mm. Um, they're the best defensive team in the league Um, and if you look at it they're the only team that has consistently given the Warriors offense real trouble. I mean, the Warriors score only only scored. I mean, that uh, this is low for them, 109 points the other night. Um, they scored 88 earlier in the season at Boston. The Bo- Boston knows how to give them trouble and how to make things difficult for them. Houston doesn't. Houston wants to outscore them. The, and it's hard to beat the Warriors when you're trying to outscore them. That's what I was going to say. It's that they the, the game is similar and they're not – quite as good as the Warriors are about executing that offense. Exactly. Yeah. So that that that's really why I, I actually think that Boston Boston Finals, Boston Warriors Finals potentially would be <laughs> good good TV and it would, I actually think it could go you know, maybe not seven but definitely five or six. Um, so 
there's there's also been a lot going on in the league just just from a broad standpoint um you know a lot of injuries trades obviously uh the big one yeah. the other night being uh the Blake Dr- Griffin trade to Detroit. What did you think of that trade? I thought it just kind of came out of nowhere, even though, uh, I don't know. I was just surprised. Um, for so long, it's uh, – the Clippers haven't been able to get over that hump. Obviously, they traded Chris Paul um, in, in the offseason. It's just that I, – I, maybe because also – the years that I covered the, it was so nice to see the, the Warriors and Clippers rise up together from the, you know, these were the, the league cellar dwellers and laughing stocks for so long. And it was nice to see, you know, in 2009 was kind of the game changer when the Warriors drafted Steph Curry and the Clippers drafted Blake Griffin. And then, you know, Chris Paul came and, you know, we had yeah, just the, the two, the two teams, the nucleus of both teams being built and seeing them rise together. Um, Lob city versus the splash, brothers or whatever and it's just a you know it it never really reached its peak I feel like you had that playoff series where um, the Clippers won I think it was 2013 2014 and you just thought that this was going to be a rivalry for years to come and then then uh was it the next year the uh the Clippers lose that 3-1 series lead to Houston and it just seemed like from there they they couldn't make it work right it was like it was going to be the western conference finals rematch you know that everybody seemed to think was going to happen and it didn't and so it's i i liked the move for both teams Uh, and the reason is i i actually think that obviously the the pistons got the better part of the deal but and i think you can make an argument the clippers maybe could have gotten even more back for blake griffin um i like avery bradley i think tobias harris having a nice season um, but I, I just think they could have gotten more. Um, but I like what it represents because w- what it is is it's basically a reset. And the Clippers were at a point where they probably needed to press that button. They probably should have even a year ago. Um, and they were kind of in that gray area. It was mm-hmm. like, hey, we can do enough to still be kind of relevant. We can still you know at least be 500. But we're in a state of the NBA where it's almost worse to be 500 than it is to be the worst team in the league. Because you're not you're not getting the assets, you're not oh, getting the I see future assets, yes. you know. Because if you're like what the 76ers did, and you're the worst team in the league for a few years, you, you, you pile up number one or number yep. two picks, and mm-hmm. then you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to build around, right? You know what I mean? Um, and so I think I like I, I thought it was inev- an inevitable move. There's actually well, been a lot of chatter after this too about you know everyone likes to speculate and. Everyone knows that Jer- Jerry West loves Clay Thompson, and they're saying, "Okay, they're gonna they're gonna put themselves in a position to have all this cap space and go after Clay in a couple years when he's a free agent," which I think they're gonna do. That's gonna happen. I don't think. I mean, things can change. I don't think he's necessarily gonna be a Clipper, but right. he is from LA. Um, he does have a good relationship with Jerry West. It, it's a fair thing to speculate about. Yeah, well, I mean, for the Clippers, and and what do they do now with DeAndre Jordan and guys like Lou Williams and stuff? Is it you know do they completely tear it down and get assets? I think I think we're going to see DeAndre Jordan gone. I I wouldn't be surprised if he was gone at the trade deadline, Mm -hmm. even. Um, And you know, people have even mentioned him with with the Warriors. I don't think that's possible, but it is an interesting proposition. He is actually best friends with with Kevin Durant, and I. I mean, best friends as in not NBA best friends, but like actual best friends. Mm-hmm. They like are uh, Kevin has said he would be the best man at his wedding it, when he gets married. Um, so it's interesting to think about. I don't think it's going to happen, 
but they're there. We are only a week away from the trade deadline. Um, I don't think the Warriors are going to be a huge mover mm-hmm. in that, but they might, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised at all if they made at least a small move. Um, and by small move, I mean, uh, get, you know, maybe trading a JaVale McGee for a, for a second round pick or a future asset and freeing up a roster spot for another guard just because they, they're, they really care about having, um, having a balanced roster and they don't have one right now. They have too many bigs, mm-hmm. um, especially with how the league is trending towards small ball. I mean, it, it's kind of helping them right now because, you know, Jordan Bell's out. So it kind of, you know, JaVale was able to get some minutes last night with Kevon Looney and Bell out last night. But, but for the long term, I think they, they want to even out that roster. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they traded maybe a JaVale who I think still has some, market value for a team who needs a center a team like milwaukee there's several other teams who need bigs mm-hmm. uh you know for for a future asset and maybe you sign quinn cook who's still been killing it in the g league uh to that final roster spot um or you know and and there's several other of those bench guys who i think are expendable yeah, guys yeah. like kavon looney and you know yeah he's really struggled to find a place this year He's had an interesting year. I mean, he's been super in and out of the rotation. Mm-hmm. Steve Kerr loves him. I don't know if you've watched an interview of him talking about Kavon Looney, but I've he's not he doesn't talk more passionately about any player than Kavon Looney. Mm-hmm. And it's just because he kind of I think identifies a little bit with Kavon Looney cuz Steve was a guy who was in and out of the rotation a lot and he knows he really cares about guys who are in that spot, who take it seriously, who are professionals. And Kavon is that he lost almost 30 pounds this summer. He's taking it seriously. He's better. I personally think he's kind of a niche player in the NBA. And as you know, I just want to cover the league. Niche players are expendable because you need to be in the perfect situation. And if you're not, you're, you're basically James Michael McAdoo, who is a niche player. He had like one go-to skill, which was he could, guard multiple positions which is basically what Kevon Looney's skill is he can also rebound but James Michael McAdoo is now averaging eight points per game in the G League right and he won two titles with this team I kind of think Kevon's similar in that way you know what I I thought was interesting or what I what you just said something you just said caught my mind which is um you know maybe they trade some of these uh guys for a, a second round pick we all know that they've had a pretty good uh, stretch of finding some gems in in that second round, um, and the, in past years they've bought their second round picks for right. whatever three million dollars. So it, you know, here you trade a guy, and you know maybe you don't need to, you know, you don't need to find your own opportunities to buy into to the to the draft. The Warriors have, have looked over all the analytics. They know that the highest value pick you can have is like early in the thirties. That's mm-hmm. obviously where they got. Uh, that's where they got Draymond. That's where they got Jordan Bell. That's where they got um, Patrick McCaw. Um, because it's not a guaranteed deal. Right. But, you know, there's almost always really high quality players left at that point in the draft. Um, and especially this year, uh, where it's one of the deepest drafts we've ever seen, there's going to be NBA contributors in the early 30s. Right. Yeah, it's just with with the way that the NBA rookie sal or the rookie, uh, rookie salary structure slash draft works is that all those guys that go in the first rounds get guaranteed contracts and there's there's no negotiating it's it's slotted in right. how much they're going to make um, so in the second round they're not guaranteed and just like what you said it's it, because of that too 
you obviously hit the jackpot with a guy like Draymond. But if you can, if you have a handful of those guys and they don't pan out, it's not like you're tied in. You know what I mean? Right. It's like the the risk reward ratio. You can also you also have more flexibility of what with what you can do mm-hmm. with that contract. Um, you know, just to to help you with the books, help you with whatever your your situation is with with the bigger name guys. You can work it out so that you can backload a guy for a year or something like that. Right. Whereas, like you said, you're locked in in that first round. Yeah. So, Which is it makes it tough for the players that are getting drafted in the second round. But it's you know from, yeah. a, from a team perspective, it makes a lot of sense. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it's been it's been you know we have we're already over halfway through the season. We have the All Star break coming up. Um, it's uh, I'm personally kind of ready to, to take that little bit of a breather. It won't be that much of a breather because there are four all-stars once again in Los Angeles. And we're going to have, we're throwing, we're going to have several people down there in LA, uh, which will be a lot of fun. But um, until then we will definitely touch base next week before all-star break. I think I'll be in Portland for Valentine's, uh, which will be good. So uh, we'll stay locked and loaded with warriors off court. And, uh, we're going to be on iTunes pretty soon. I promise. We, promise this we, we, we have a graphic. We have it all in the works. It's happening. It's really happening. I've gotten a lot of questions. Stay with um, us. And so <laughs> next week, we'll definitely subscribe to iTunes. In the meantime, get ready to, to subscribe to iTunes. <laughs> This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Thank You for Playing by Ryan Little, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. This show is produced by me, Janie, and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow us on Twitter at con underscore cron, C-O-N underscore C-H-R-O-N, and Janie Hugh at J-A-N-N-Y underscore H-U, Janie underscore Hugh. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com.